This is the Internet Ballers Podcast, Episode 78. This is the Internet Ballers Podcast with your host, Michael Pasha, the show for internet entrepreneurs who want to learn how uncertainty and struggle turn into confidence and success. Welcome to the Ballers Circle. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Baller Circle. I'm Michael Pasha, the host of the Internet Ballers Podcast, and today I'm excited to welcome Jason Tucker from Battleship Stance to the Baller Circle. Jason is a successful intellectual property management and infringement enforcement expert with over 10 years of experience. He has helped negotiate over $100 million in claims for clients over the past year for intellectual property infringement and is moving more and more online to help content creators. Uh, so I wanted to bring Jason on the show to talk about this topic because I think a lot of people who are creating content online don't really think about intellectual property and don't think about either one, protecting themselves, or two, what other property they may be infringing on. Uh, so Jason, uh, thanks for coming on. How are you doing? I'm fantastic, and thank you for having yeah. me. I, uh, it's an honor to be here. Yeah, I'm glad you, uh, glad you decided to come. So I'm curious to know, like, you know, you're, you're – you're an expert in intellectual property management, but before you you got into that, I want to know the kind of the backstory. Like, where did you grow up? What was life like? And uh, how did you get into uh, what you're doing now? So the the condensed version, I guess. I grew up in Los Angeles, uh, and so I, like a lot of people in LA, I was thrust into the entertainment business at a young age. Ended up as a child actor. I worked on shows like St. Elsewhere and Chips and Little House, and I was the McDonald's kid. And it just my life just kind of progressed in that space. And so I wanted to make feature film and television shows. I just wanted to to stay in that environment, or so I thought. And so um, as I grew up, this is kind of where my, my focus always was. Um, I was also in the computers and, and, and programming and like in, the, in the early days, like a lot of people my age, I mean, I had a Texas Instruments computer and then a Commodore 64 and then I progressed and it just, <laughs> it just, it just went from there. And so um, as a result of staying in that space, I ended up uh, uh, directing commercials and, and doing some other stuff and then realizing that oh, I did music licensing and kind of a little, little bit of all of it. And then... Um, by happenstance, uh, I was called on by a technology company to where I had some friends working and said, you know, a lot of people in the entertainment sector, can you help kind of navigate? We've got this, we've got this cool new technology. We want to roll it out. And so I was bridging the gap between tech and uh, mainstream entertainment at a time when the worlds weren't really communicating with one another. And so as a result of that, those worlds kind of collided. And I fell into a space, and a, a Fortune, I guess a Fortune 100 company, I guess you could call them, uh, asked me to take a look at um, the adult space, which I had never looked at before. And I was like, the adult space? Why would you have me looking at that? And they said, well, it seems like, so, like all the content that we're seeing at the time was that. So as a result of that, I did a feasibility study. And at the end of the study, I said, and I'm going to be there. I don't know what I'm going to be doing, but if you need anything, let me know. And so I started um, selling... Uh, various technologies, uh, uh, bandwidth, uh, and things of that nature to the adult space and then realized that this is where I, I wanted to be and, and, and get some work done because there was really some cutting-edge technology that was coming out and this was a vehicle to play with it. It was really just a toy factory for me. So, uh, but, but then you know, there's, there's business models that came out of it, relationships that came out of it, um, and as a result of that, I ended up with, with, um, with my ex-wife 
I ended up owning, co-owning, uh, what was uh, the world's largest erotic library of images at the time. And so uh, with this library, it was, it was, uh, it was getting stolen <laughs> by, as the internet developed. Um, initially, it was people scanning the magazines and putting it online, and then ultimately, it was just people finding it and taking it and reusing it as their own, and it was affecting our bottom line. And so I wanted to figure out a way to go about enforcing that. And I had worked with, uh, I helped with Microsoft, I helped develop their digital rights management platform, and I worked in the space, but I didn't have a solution to, well, my content's getting stolen, what do I do? I started seeking out attorneys and was told, we well, have to send these takedown notices, and, and now you can send them via email, but back then, and basically a takedown notice just basically says exactly what it is. It's a, under the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, it's a, hey, this is mine, it's not yours, take it down. Under the law, they have to take it down. So, um, uh, again, not well, let me start with this. I'm not an attorney. <laughs> <laughs> I should probably throw that out there. Um, so if I sound like one, I'm not. Uh, I just work with a lot of them. So, uh, uh, so back on track. So as a result of um, going out and attempting to get this content taken down, I spent a lot of money in postage stamps and return receipts and didn't have a lot to show for it. And so I was watching pirates making a lot of money charging for content that they didn't own that was mine and I wanted to take back what was ours so we did, through the years uh, devised a system for uh, enforcing our intellectual property rights at the time so that was that looked like lawsuits it looked like demand letters it looked like a lot of legal action uh, and as a result of all of that we, we ended up you know protecting the library at first I was this kind of pariah. People didn't like the fact that I was out there suing people. I was that guy, you know, oh my God, he's like a walking lawsuit. But I really wasn't. I wasn't, I wasn't going after individuals. I was going after companies that were taking our work and making ridiculous amounts of money. I mean, we're talking about millions and millions and millions of dollars. Um, some of them, hundreds of millions of dollars. Like this is, wow. this, this is no joke as far as the dollars go. So when you hear about like back then, the adult business or today, they made a lot of money. Yes, absolutely. And so as a result of that, companies started calling me when it was happening to them. People were calling me. Um, uh, other industries were calling and saying, we're seeing this happen with our content. Is there something you can do to help us? Or can, can we hire you as a consultant? And so out of that, my business was born. Uh, and I realized that there was a need to be able to, to educate people on what it is uh, they can do, and then utilize the tools and systems that we've developed over you know, 10, 15 years now to be able to enforce their intellectual property rights. And it's for me to say it's not that hard, I can actually say that now. Back then, it was very complicated. We didn't have a roadmap. Now there's a roadmap, and you hit the nail on the head when you said that um, uh, what can, you know, the, 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 there's content creators now, and they don't necessarily realize what's going on. I see, I, I watched it happen for adult. I watched it happen and, and got involved when it was going on initially in the music industry. Uh, once streaming really hit its mark, I watched it happen to mainstream Hollywood. And uh, the next place it's going to happen is, is the e-courses and bloggers and podcasters who are charging for access to that content. If you're putting a dollar figure on something, there's somebody else that's going to take it and put a, a lower dollar amount and probably try and outsell you.
and uh, might yeah, as well get yeah, in front definitely. of it. Definitely, I and I, I know I'm a, a a part of a few Facebook groups in which uh, you know, like you said, there there are courses that were sold. I, you know, I'm a student of the course. And the course creator often uh, will complain that someone has literally copied their content, created their own course, and is selling it, like you said, at a, at a lower price. Um, so, uh, one, I, I, I'm kind of curious to know, like, what are the big things that you've seen and who are the people that need to be protecting their content that, that you think are, uh, I guess, most likely not doing that? E-course creators, um, I see a lot of authors that are publishing their work uh, in digital ebooks, uh, be it for, for a- on Amazon or, or wherever. Um, and, and, and I see a lot of people uh, creating these, these opportunities and, pu- again, putting a dollar figure on it. So if you're an ebook creator, if you're an e-course creator, if you're a writer on any level and you're writing content or you're doing any type of content, video, music, or otherwise, uh, I just don't see them registering their work with the U.S. Copyright Office. Now, my understanding is this. Once you create it, it's yours. You own the copyright on it under, under, according to U.S. law. But unless you register it with the United States Copyright Office, you are not afforded the protections that you can get in a courtroom should you need to enforce it to that level. Now, that's not everybody. People might say, you know what, I'm never going to go to court. But here's, but here's what it could do. If you if you show up at somebody's uh, door with a demand letter, not you know, not figuratively, not literally, uh, and say, "Look, uh, you have ten of my registrations. If those are registered works, you're entitled to between for willful infringement, it ranges between thirty to one hundred fifty thousand dollars per infringement, plus legal fees. So ten registered works." is one and a half million dollars plus legal fees. So if somebody goes and looks up your work or you say, look, this is registered, here's the registration numbers, I own this. It's very intimidating to another side or a pirate that sees, okay, this is, I'm opening myself up to real liability, real serious problems. With the studios that I've worked with over the years, mainstream and adult, what I see when we get aggressive in our campaigns against companies that are doing this, Pirates go next door. They go to somebody else's work. They stay away from that because they go, you know what? I don't need that headache in my life. So if you have a course and let's say your course is not is not currently registered, what's involved in the process of getting things registered? Do you need to have a team of people? Do you need to hire an attorney? What, what, what do you suggest? You can do it yourself. So my wife, who's absolutely, Melissa's absolutely brilliant about putting systems together, um, ha- we've, we've gone through and created this step-by-step guide on, on on our website, intellectualpropertyhq.com. And in there, there is a step-by-step guide to how you go about registering your work with the U.S. Copyright Office. It's all of $55 to register a work, whether it's a group of work from an entire year or an individual work, it's $55. So if, if you get in the habit of making that part of what you would normally do when you produce a series of works, then it just becomes a streamlined process. And once you do once it's like anything else now you know how to do it it's like riding a bike you know going on a horse whatever whatever it looks like for you it's just okay. simple so let's say uh for example like you know i'm a podcaster and i have a blog should i be uh i i, I assume i shouldn't be like registering each podcast episode individually and paying 55 dollars for each one is it just like at the end of the year i, I package them all together and, and register that for or how, how does that work so you can register them as a group i would you know obviously 
it's it's a business decision for everybody, uh, and and it depends on you know how much you really want to spend. But I would take I would take batches of them, whether it's quarterly or annually. Batch them together into a group and register okay. them. Uh, just so you at least have that single registration because you never know what you're going to do with it. All, all your stuff that's free right now, you may want to take and put into a membership course at some point or something may go viral or something may happen. And the thing about the internet is, is we can't control where something goes once it's out there. But we can kind of, we can control how it flows once it is out there should we want to get, should we want to choose to do that. Does yeah, that make sense? And at the end of the day, it's your content. So you should have a right in saying what can and can't happen with it. Okay. So one question that I that I have, and I know a lot of other people have had, and is let's say I have an idea, right? Let's say I like I have a phrase that I think is interesting, or a logo, or something like that. How do I find out whether or not someone else already has it registered, and if I'm, you know, potentially infringing on a copyright that already exists? Well, in that scenario, that would be a trademark. Uh, from from what I think you explained to me, and so what I would do in that case is I would suggest either you can, there's two ways you can either hire an attorney to do this, or you can go to the United States Patent Trademark Office, and on there there's a search button for the test database, and you can look up the trademark yourself and register to see if the drawings right, it's a word mark or if it's a, if it's a logo. I go on there all the time. Uh, for our clients, and uh, when they when they come up with new websites, or they come up with new movies, or they come up with new whatever, to see um, what's out there and what's not. Okay. Okay. Again, really simple process. You file the registration once. If you're filing a tra- suggesting a trademark, broad here, uh, I found the more uh, strength one can garner okay. in the space. Because I re- one one story that really stands out to me is. Um uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Pat Flynn, uh, who has the Smart Passive Income podcast. But oh, absolutely! Yeah, so so I know that you know when he was first getting started, he had a, a site called InTheLead.com, and he was writing about the lead certification exam, and and he got a cease and desist letter because it had the word lead in it, and um, you know he he wasn't aware that he was even doing anything wrong. Um, I guess so. Is there is there a process? Like, would you recommend? Um, I guess anytime you're creating something new or, or you're, you're create, buying a new domain or something like that, that, that you do a search ahead of time or are, are there a certain, is there a certain threshold in which like it, once you start doing this, then you need to search, but beforehand it's not necessary. So now we're into what could potentially be legal questions. So I would suggest anyone who's going to act on this to, to talk to an attorney, my own suggestion okay. for, for, for this discussion would be, if it's something that you are going to invest your time into, if it's a brand that you are actively going to create and work on, you should do whatever you can to protect yourself. So that's registering content, trademarking the name, uh, and, and taking active steps to monitor and manage that experience. It's not a lot of hard work. Uh, but, but the work that you do up front, the half hour, 45 minutes to an hour that it takes to do all of that entire process um, will save you down the road. Uh, if you get a cease and desist notice from somebody because you're infringing their trademark, well, in that scenario, it would be, well, are you competing against? There's a lot of flexibility. This is My experience with, with, with intellectual property uh, law and questions is it's very organic. You never know what a judge is going to say. You never know what, what new rules are going to come out uh, uh, or how a case can shift an opinion. So 
you know, when it, when it comes to, well, you're using my trademark, it's, well, even, even, my, even when you're infringing somebody's trademark, are you really infringing that trademark? Are you in a competing space? If you're in different spaces, well, maybe you're not competing against that trademark. And a lot of, I've seen, I've, I had a scenario recently where a client of mine received a cease and desist notice on a trademark and I looked it up and I called our attorneys and I was like, this is ridiculous. And they agreed. And the reason that it was ridiculous was, is that they, they were trying to assert a trademark claim against my client uh, for something that they didn't even have a trademark mm. to. The space was different. So they had a, a goods and services. They were utilizing it on the internet for something completely different. So we, you know, the attorney politely wrote the other attorney uh, what they could do with their letter. Letter. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so now you're 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 bringing your business uh, online, and uh, I, I want to know one why are you doing that, and, and and two, what what have you have you come across any any sort of struggles that you didn't anticipate? Well, at some point in time or another, like my life has been a struggle, right? Like product of the divorced home, like that typical LA story involves all the drama of the typical LA story, the re reality TV show, crazy. So. Um, but as far as how it is from the business standpoint now to taking it online, I see what I think – well, I believe that what is going to happen in all the other spaces that I've seen it happen is going to happen to, uh, uh, again, publishers and uh, e-course publishers, these mainstream membership sites. But pirates are going to continue stealing work. It's, it's not going to change. The second that they see an opportunity, they're going to jump on it. And there's enough courses that are being created, enough that's being charged right now, that, that I just see that it needs to be people need to know what can happen. So my feeling is this, and this is where, I, where I'm really excited, is that if I can assist uh, individuals that are content creators do what they need to do now, 16, 18 months from now, when this becomes a real problem, they're ahead of the game. They already have tools in their toolbox to be able to get content taken down or to be able to document it, to be able to build that evidence package to potentially go after that company and shut them down in a very real way and return some of the, the, the lost funds that they've garnered as a result of the, 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 pirate act, the pirate's actions. And when I say pirates, I'm not talking about like individuals necessarily. I'm talking about companies. There are actual a lot of people don't know this. Their business is built out of piracy. And we attack them. I'm a pirate hunter by trade. I mean, at the end of the day, I hunt these, these companies down. And there are groups of people that work together. They show up in an office together and they work like anyone else would. There's hierarchies and, 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 and structures and 401k plans. But you wouldn't realize that when you looked from the outside world. But once you peel it back, you realize, wait a minute, you guys are stealing stuff all day long and just selling stolen work. Hmm. And their their attitude is, and I'm shocked by that. It just baffles me. So I don't understand the psychology behind it, but I certainly know how to defeat it, or at least push right. people back. So is it a? Because I, I know you said that uh, when we were talking about this earlier that uh, there weren't a lot of other people in the space uh, that do uh, that were doing this. Are, are do you find it pretty competitive now, or are, are you still, um, I guess, one of the few people who knows how to do this effectively? So there are companies that send out takedown notices in mass for companies. That's not what I do. Mm -hmm. So I have I have not found anyone that does specifically what we do at Battleship. Uh, there are attorneys that can be retained for intellectual 
to a property work, but not somebody that necessarily understands all of the inner workings of a website or how these people work or where they're located or how to track them down or how to follow the money or how to insert whatever the, the elements are that you need to properly put, once you put the evidence together and you explain it to them, yeah, they can go and do what they do because you know talented attorneys are talented attorneys or talented people are talented people. Um, but as far as what, what we do specifically, no, I haven't found anybody that does what we do. And I'm not, I'm not worried if somebody wants to show up and do this as well. I don't think I'm a threat to anyone else's business model because my goal is not to be a threat to your business model. My goal is to help you protect your business model and the intellectual property that goes along with that. Okay, I like that. So who, who is your ideal client? My ideal client is a content creator. On any level, it's just as generic as that. The content is a widget. It doesn't matter what the content is. I don't care if you're singing it, saying it, dancing to it, or reading about it. That is content that is proprietary to you. And if it's important to you, I'm going to make it important to me. Uh, and so, and that's that's the goal of the, the course that we're putting together, and the and the purpose behind Intellectual Property HQ, which is exactly that, which is let me take the tools and systems that we put into place and arm you so that you can be a little more responsible and a little more focused. Because this isn't something that most people think about. They don't create work and put it out there and go, well, somebody else could sell this at a lower price point. Like you would you'd use that example that, that you've seen it on, on Facebook groups. It's starting to happen. It's going to happen more. And it's going to happen more when people realize that they can make money from this. If you're charging $2,000 for a course and I can go take your course and I can go sling it for thirty nine ninety five. Who do you think people are going to buy from? <laughs> right. Pirates are really good at marketing. <laughs> I will give them credit for that. And again, when you have a team of people that their job all day long is to tell everybody, "Hey, don't buy it for two grand," and I've got it for forty bucks, I'm going to beat you. Huh. Yeah. I, so, so let's talk about that course. So, so you have a course for people. What's what's included in the course? What we're putting a course together okay. right now. Okay. So it's it's in its infancy stages, and and really what it's going to be is. A, a start to finish. And, and what I mean by that is this. It starts with register your work. And then when you how to go about seeing if your work is being sold or being utilized out there or how it's being utilized on the internet so that you can see kind of a roadmap as to what's going on. Uh. Once you have that map, you can then go, okay, this is okay. This is not okay. This is not okay. So what's my next step? Well, the next step could be a takedown notice or the next step is I need to go about documenting what it is that I'm seeing so that I can better articulate this should I need to at a later date. So we're going to teach you how to put that together. And then the next step from that is, well, what are my options now? Because that's really the goal, right? The goal is to create oppor opportunities for yourself and options to be able to decide what it is that you want to do. Maybe you want to cut a licensing deal. Maybe you want a traffic deal. Maybe you want to just knock it off. Maybe you want money and a traffic deal. Who knows? But whatever that win-win looks like for you, you have now have everything that you need from an evidentiary standpoint. And then the next step is, is if you do want to take some action, then we have attorneys that we've worked with in the past all over the world uh, that can assist you in executing your goals and objectives for you as an individual or for you as a business. So as a content creator, should you be regularly kind of looking out there to see, like, is, are there copycats or just waiting until you either notice well, something or get So, so here's the kicker. Them. It's not so much copycats. They're taking mm -hmm. your work, like your action. They're, most of these people, they don't even 
change, most of these companies, they don't even bother changing the names. So let's say you put out a course called, this is my course, level one. They will take it as, this is my course, level one, slap a dollar amount on it and sell it. Mm. So they're not even that creative in, in how they're doing it. So it's not so much the, the meat. They're just taking the whole, the whole cow and reselling your cow. <laughs> right. So, so should you be, so should you be regularly checking for that sort of Absolutely. thing? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And, and, and again, this is where, where we go into in the course, we're going to give you the systems that we've developed over the years to be able to search. You can start as simple as Google, but there are tools on the internet that we found and there, there are tricks and tips that we have to finding your stuff faster. Um, I was on the phone with a, with an e-course provider, uh, uh, the other day, that's also a podcaster. And as we're talking, I just Googled his course and I said, I said, check Skype. I was like, is this yours? And he's like, oh my God, I didn't even know it was for sale. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to, we're going to give you those kinds of, of tools, uh, and, and steps to doing it. And again, like, like I said about registration, once you do it, you know how to do it. So yes, every once in a while, do a Google search and see what comes up. Congratulations if you're on page one. Congratulations if you're feeling page two and three. Go to page six or seven, five, eight. See what's going on. Type in free. Type in torrent uh, after whatever your course is and see what pops up. Um, because I'm pretty sure if you find your stuff and you didn't know about it and it's being sold, it's going to generate an emotion for you. <laughs> and that's, that's what I also what I want to be able to help people control because I remember what that was like seeing my work splattered all over the place and we couldn't do anything about it again now there's a way to do it right right so how do you find your clients my clients come to me I don't I don't advertise um, okay. we don't necessarily solicit business because it's a very particular type of client that I like working with I like clients uh, that I will help them get organized if they're not organized with their with their copyrights that's another thing that 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 I intend on teaching with the course, which is how to organize your registrations once you get them. How do you, you know, once you get it from the copyright office, how do you deal with the copyright office? How do you monitor all of this stuff once you do start finding it? So our clients come to us, and my first question is, is well, is your content registered? Give me a, give me a, a sampling of your work, and then I'll go out and see what kind of level of degree that they're dealing with, and then we'll develop a campaign, and and and, and we'll identify key targets. And then figure out from there what it is that we want to do. Hmm. And then we'll handle it like anything else. The goal with an ongoing campaign is ultimately to be able to use pirate money to fund your campaign of anti-piracy. <laughs> like that's the, well, that's the ultimate goal, right? Because otherwise you're, just out, you're potentially out of pocket and that kind of inverts the business model. So, um, and when I say business model, it's that I think that you should be able to, if, if, it's, if it's egregious enough, you should be able to utilize pirate funds ultimately to fund stopping uh, it. So, so really hiring you is a no-brainer because your, your, your fee will be completely covered by the funds uh, recovered from the piracy. Is yes. Is that typically how it works? Yes. Okay. And we'll, we'll work on a blended situation. I'm pretty flexible uh, when, because it, it, I like developing relationships. So if, if I'm working with a particular client, we're going to develop a very close working relationship. It needs to be that way. I need to know what's going on. They need to know what's going on. Um, so that there has to be that level of trust because, again, you're trusting me with monitoring how your work is being utilized. And so that's I take that very seriously. Um, and I'm very passionate about it, as you can probably tell. So uh, <laughs> it's uh, so client, you know, people will reach out to 
to me through through referrals or um, they'll read something or they'll call or they'll email or, or however. And then we have a vetting process. I don't usually leave anyone hanging. Uh, I try and work with everyone I can on some level. I mean, our services aren't for everybody, but there are people that I can potentially put other people in touch with to help them till they reach a certain critical mass or certain level. Right. Okay. Well, that sounds really good. Well, Jason, I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, I think this is a really important topic that not a lot, not enough people are talking about and probably why you're, you're so successful and, and doing so well, because it is, it is important. And, uh, you're one of the few people who seems to be an expert in the space. Um, so before we close out, how can the baller circle get in touch with you and learn more about your business? We have a Facebook group for Intellectual Property HQ, or they can go to intellectualpropertyhq.com, or you can email me at jason at intellectualpropertyhq.com. And uh, however you can get a hold of me, get a hold of me. And if you've got a problem, let's figure it out. Perfect. And thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And I love, as I told you before we started, I love your podcast. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Jason. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks for being awesome and joining us on another episode of the Internet Ballers Podcast. Be sure to listen next week where I'll be sharing another story of yet another inspiring internet baller. In the meantime, you can check out the blog post for this episode as well as listen to other episodes of the Internet Ballers podcast at www.internetballers.com. Again, I'm Michael Pasha and happy marketing. Thanks for listening to the Internet Ballers podcast. Through our guest stories, you will learn the path to go from struggling entrepreneur to internet baller. We'll see you on the next episode.